You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage four prostate cancer. So during the initial stages of the COVID-19 outbreak, my doctors advised me to stay at home. But now, a little more than a year later, I'm fully vaccinated and I've rejoined society. But I'm still continuing this podcast when I'm calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I've met throughout my 30 years in this industry. Plus, this year, I'm going to be calling some people and making new friends. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. Well, this will be the final episode of the Life of Fitz podcast for this year. And it all started last year in March when I came up with a podcast that I could do sitting at home during the pandemic when I couldn't really leave that often. And so I started calling friends. The first friend I called was Kelly Stewart because this is a combination of a podcast about sports and about my life and about the people with whom I've connected. She is better known as Kelly in Vegas, a Kansas State graduate who grew up in Manhattan and then went off to Las Vegas to help pay the bills from her student loans and now is a nationally recognized handicapper. So what a perfect guest to end my second season with after she started the first season and she is my 50th guest to appear on The Life of Fitz. Earlier this summer, she was hired by ESPN to become one of their gambling experts. But then some tweets that were about 10 years old were dug up by some trolls. These tweets, which were directed at some guys who have stalked and harassed her online for many years, were sent to ESPN. And in those tweets, she referred to them with a word that isn't accepted in society anymore. We'll just say it rhymes with rags. And ESPN fired her before she even started. But life does indeed work out through the struggles. And Kelly now has latched on to Barstool Sports, which is really a perfect place for Kelly Stewart. Let's finish up season two of Life of Fits by calling Kelly Stewart in Las Vegas. Hola. How are you, my dear? Just living the dream. I've got eight more NFL TV uh, teams to preview in the next, oh, couple of hours, and that's about it. Well, that, that sounds like uh, I'm going to be a good use of your time then. So what goes into previewing an NFL team from a uh, so handicapper standpoint? For me, just uh, going over the Barstool Sportsbook odds for their regular season wins, um, their division to win the Super Bowl, and my overall thoughts on the team and how I think that they're going to actually perform throughout the course of the NFL season, which thanks to guys like Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz and a few others, maybe even Trey Lance gets the starting position. It's not always that simple. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine trying to do that for 32 teams. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of work, but it's good because the nice thing about what I'm doing is they're basically paying me to prep for 
football season, which is what I should be doing anyway. Right. All right. So anything eventful in your life lately? Eventful. Uh, yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a fun summer. What can I say? <laughs> Let's go through that. Uh, what a what a mess! But you ended up um, in a really good situation. So let's go back to the ESPN thing. I, I don't know if you can talk about about it a whole lot, but let's let's get into it. It was out of left field, wasn't it? You never saw it coming. Well. Let's put it this way. If I would have trusted myself, and I said this on the Eric and Arvini podcast, that, you know, and everybody's like, well, what do you mean ESPN wasn't your dream? Why did you take the job then? And frankly, I just didn't trust my gut. They, you know, I told them, I said, hey, look, this is, this is what I want to be. This is where I want to go. You know, I was working for Bleacher Report. They offered me a little bit more money to stay. CBS was in the mix. I was kind of going back and forth between those two basically because I knew what I was going to get from them. Barstool was never really in the mix, and I've always followed Barstool, but I never really kind of thought I would have a fit there necessarily. Right. Like, I know now everybody's like, oh, my God, it's so obvious. But for whatever reason, in my initial thought process when I was interviewing a couple of years ago in the space, it just – do you want to go to Barstool? Okay, well, what are they thinking? Oh, well, you just, you know, go there, meet people, and, and we just figure it out. I'm like, well, that seems kind of crazy. And uh, – so I ended up working, you know, for CBS, then Bleacher Report. So those two were very familiar to me. And, and ESPN had given me a, an offer in February, and we basically said, thanks, but no thanks. And they came back and said, okay, well, what do you need to work for us? And I threw everything at them in the kitchen sink, and they said, okay. So I kind of, at that point, really couldn't back out. If, you know, you ask for the whole world and they give it to you, and then you still say no thanks, like you kind of, in this industry, can burn that bridge forever. Right. And, you know, I really like Doug. Uh, Joe, Tyler, all those guys that I've been working with on Daily Wager. So I was like, you know what? This will be fine. Um, obviously, the tweets had been out there. They have been around since 2012. And somebody unearthed them uh, about two years ago and said, like, how does this girl have a job? All these things. And I'm looking at them going, God. Like, I was just very disgusted with myself. The, the nice part was Wager Talk and Bleach Report only suspended me for 30 days kind of everything just kind of went to die. And, you know, when you get hired by a major company like that and they go through all these background checks and you have, you know, interview questions like, you know, have you ever committed a felony and like things of that nature, you'd probably think that they'd look at social media, right? And of course. Either, they, either they didn't look or they knew about them and thought they wouldn't be an issue. And... So to answer your question, were they in the back of my mind? Did I know these trolls were going to probably share them again? Sure. Right. Like that wasn't it wasn't like a huge surprise to me that these same guys were going after me that went after me two years prior. But it was a really big surprise to me that, you know, my boss over at ESPN and I spoke the day uh, that, you know, the tweets got brought up in a meeting. I told him this is what was going on. He said, OK. I spoke to my talent manager. She said, don't worry, water under the bridge. Can't wait for you to start. Everything's fine. Three weeks later, I'm getting ready to come back to Vegas, start work, and I get a text. It's like, hey, later on in the week, let's meet for a production meeting before your first day. Sure, no problem. And the day prior, I got a text before that meeting, got a text that said, hey, um, do you have a minute to talk? I said, sure, no problem. So, I mean, this was weeks after. And so, yeah, I, I thought that at that point that ESPN had made the decision to keep me and that everything was kind of like, okay, look, this is almost 10 years old. 
let's uh, let's let this go. I have no problem with someone not hiring you because of those tweets. Do I do I think the tweets um, uh, are a big deal? Well, put in the context of 10 years ago, I think we keep judging by current context. But that aside, if they didn't want to hire you because of the tweets, it's one thing. But the fact that they basically have confessed to not doing their due diligence and and they missed something that, honestly, they should have found. I mean, they're a major company. You're a hire that people are going to talk about, your social media presence. They failed, gave in to trolls, which is what I hate the most – and publicly made you pay for their failure. It it really bothers me how they handled it. You know, I think that that was kind of where I took it as like a karmatic kind of thing mm-hmm. because I did not get probably the attention when Bleach Report and Wager Talk suspended me. It was very brushed under the rug. I was going to release a statement, but it was 4th of July weekend of 2018. No, twenty. Was it 2018? Either way, it was, you know, a big weekend. And so it kind of really just got brushed under the rug. And, you know, my team of agents and my boss and everybody said, let it die. And so that's, I was just kind of doing what I was told. Mm -hmm. So when it all like eventually came out, I was like, well, I kind of deserve this because to some extent, because I didn't have to go through that when they were originally found. Now, I think to add to your point where ESPN really screwed up was basically by saying, you know, we're not going to condone this, but instead of making it a learning opportunity, they chose to just not have a comment. Right. And I got, you know, a lot of people, I got a really lot of nice messages. I said on, you know, Erica's podcast, I was like, God, I thought I was going to get a lot worse than that. I was, uh, unfortunately back home for my boyfriend's grandpa's funeral. And so I was just, I just let it kind of be what it was. And I posted my statement and, you know, looking at him on the way home, like I was like dreading opening up Twitter, like physically ill thinking about it. And Mm -hmm. to look back and to realize that a vast majority of people were on my side. And again, not to condone using certain verbiage or language like that ever. I would agree with you, Tim. I mean, we were listening to Eminem the other day on the way home and I was like, God, no wonder that everybody thought it was okay to say these things because it's in every yeah. rap song. It's a, it was a, you know, and again, not to use it as an excuse. It is what it is. I did say those things, but to, in the manner of which, you know, the, every article is anti-gay homophobic. And I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Why does it have to be that? Where did, in what world is this homophobic? And it's in this world. But in, you know, 2010, 2012, that world, it was more of a, in my opinion, like an emasculating sort of term to use. Right. I'll just say it. I mean, it's it's equivalent of calling someone a pussy. That's, a, that's the way we used to and, use it. And, and that's what I should have said in hindsight, which is what I can say a hundred times today and nobody would bat an eye. And that's, that's what is kind of, I was trying, I think in my mind, it is a way to like be bigger and stronger and tougher emotionally of some weird way. Like how can I hurt somebody by saying that they're more than a pussy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I know which guys you're talking about because they've come after me because we're friends. And, and in fact, one of them popped back up in my mentions when this happened. And I just ignored him, which is a, a sign of growth on my part. And oh, uh, absolutely! I th- think that that's these guys anything, are scary. They, these guys are these guys got issues. 
I think that there's more than issues there. Uh, I laughed. Uh, Megan making money is working with me over at Barstool, and she's, oh, I think 10 years younger than me. And so I kind of look at her as like, uh, I don't want to say little sister because I don't want to discredit all the hard work and everything she's done, but I feel like I can help her make a lot less of the mistakes that I make, right? And that is the absolute number one is don't engage. There is zero reason to ever, I look back and, you know, I have some of the, some of the main perpetrators, I went back and did the advanced Twitter search and I, you know, screen recorded all of the terrible things that they ever said to me. And I had planned on doing this whole thing. And I was like, you know what, this is, this is just not even it. This is, this is not how you win. You win by going out there and, you know, admitting that you were wrong and moving forward and kicking ass. Right. I think one of the reasons why we've grown so close through the years is we're a lot alike in that way. For us to not push back, to not, if someone comes after us to not react to it, it's really difficult. It's in our nature to answer conflict with conflict. I don't know if I'm Irish and, and you're Kelly. Uh, you know, I, it's just the way you are. You, you don't take shit off of people. And that's one of the things that's helped you survive in a, a predominantly male industry and uh, kind of rise through all the junk and crap that goes on in Vegas to, to be successful. And that's one of the things I really like about you. You don't take crap off people. Yeah, I listen, I have always had my fists raised and my guns drawn. And uh, I do realize that there's a time and a place for it. And, you know, giving these quote unquote faceless trolls on the Internet that time is not it. Some of them, um, you know, actually have real lives and real careers. So I, uh, I keep thinking about that karma circling back and I think it eventually it will towards them. It will. Um, that that will somehow show up in there in their real lives at some point though people will find out who they are you know i had a guy come after me over my cancer of all things and the way people attacked him and honestly um i don't and i don't condone this but i didn't certainly ask for it but a friend doxed him and wow that put an end to it pretty damn quick pretty damn yeah. quick when his employers found out what kind of person he was behind a screen name on twitter he hasn't been heard of much lately um and I don't, I don't know how people can function like that in life, and then go out and run around and try to ruin other people's lives based on things that they're they're saying with their actual name and face attached to it. It just, it's crazy to me. It is, it is wild, but that makes me happy to hear. I know I shouldn't, I shouldn't succumb to cancel culture as well, but to hear that you know somebody got a taste of their own medicine is, is great. Right, right. There's cancel culture and there's being held accountable, and um, you know that. People blur that line way too much. But the lesson you've learned here, Miss Kelly, is you trust that gut every time because I can tell you right now, every bad decision I've made, and I've said this over and over, my gut has told me not to do it, and I overrode that feeling and later realized I should have listened to my gut. Absolutely. So I, I'm i a big proponent of Malcolm Gladwell Blink, the book Blink, and um I encourage everyone to read it to understand what I'm talking about because there is some science behind the idea that your instincts are right. They're worth trusting. But it all kind of uh, breaks loose, and you needed some time to kind of regroup, and I don't blame you. But you, you all of a sudden found yourself with some interesting offers, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, this I had a great summer. Uh, it's the first time in probably 20 years at least that I've had – 
a, what I would call a significant gap in employment where I got to really go and enjoy myself. I got to hang out with my parents and I got to go on a, you know, three week RV trip, got to spend some time in Florida, was in uh, Boston for 4th of July with some of my best friends, even though it rained the entire time, we still had a great time. And, uh, you know, just kind of getting my life in order and getting ready for football season. And normally I don't get that much of a break and it's partially probably because I don't allow myself to, but also because, you know, when you have a real job, you don't exactly get to a lot for that much time off. No, no, you don't. Um, what, how did you end up connecting with Barstool? So it's actually hilarious. And I don't know whose idea it was. I had somebody in the office tell me it was his idea, but basically a ton of those people that I mentioned came to, you know, came to take my side on Twitter, were tagging Dave Portnoy from Barstool. And I saw it on, you know, Facebook. I saw it on Instagram. I saw it on church and on the plane ride home. And as I, as I mentioned, I opened up Twitter for the first time. And there was a direct message from Dave Portnoy who said, what did you say? And I just told him, I said, listen, like, I'm not proud of it, but this is what was said. And this is what the context was. And here's what it was. And he goes, okay. You know, we have, uh, we have a guy named Pat in our office. He's gay. I'm going to ask him uh, what he thinks. And I'm like, wait, what? You can't. <laughs> what? That's like, that's all, like, to me, that was like so funny. So um, we just had a conversation. And sure enough, when I went to New York, um, Pat had to throw a little dig in there. And I go, you know, Pat, I, I appreciate you uh, understanding and, you know, still being, you know, kind enough to tell Dave to hire me. And he goes, he told you that story. And I said, yeah. And he goes, isn't he great? And I said, yeah, I do think he's great. He goes, he cared enough, you know, to ask me if I thought it was okay to hire you. And that kind of shows me, that showed me right off the bat, what type of company that Barstool was. And, you know, they were very aggressive in getting this deal done. So aggressive. So that the other two offers, you know, texting me both afterwards are like, well, we would have got the deal done, but I'm like, I know, but I, I, I just couldn't wait till football season. And honestly, the more and more I looked into what Barstool was doing and the marketing machine that they are, it just seemed like such a natural fit. It's a brilliant company. It, it, it's amazing to me what they've built from being a Boston site that was about you know, guy stuff to the sports media conglomerate it's becoming. It's absolutely amazing to me. But it's all been built on his personality, which is like yours. I'm not taking crap off of anybody, and I'm going to say what I think. And it's gotten him into trouble, too. So um, he knows what it's like to be on that end, doesn't he? You know, I think so. And he brought that up. He's like, listen, there was a, you know, an article in this time and there was this and that. And he's like, there's been plenty of times I've said things that either were taken out of context or I, you know, misspoke or I shouldn't have said, right? Like all, there's all sorts of different things. And that's not necessarily, again, what mine was, but I think to be in the public eye and to continually keep winning like he does is, is pretty absolutely like, it's just incredible. Cause you're right. Uh, you know, I spoke with the CEO, Eric Nardini about, you know, deleting tweets and doing different things. And she's like, you know, we've thought about it and we've really stuck by on, listen, this is who we are. And this is, this is how we're growing and this is how we're evolving. And it was kind of crazy. Cause that's something that I said on the Showtime documentary about myself. That was, you know, four years ago now, I think we're all allowed to grow and evolve and to learn from our mistakes and to work on being better people. And what, what amazes me is 
now deleting mistakes and trying to move on doesn't work. People dig them up. They're all out there. Um, private investigators can do deep dives that absolutely will unveil anything you've ever put on social media. They'll find it, which amazes me why ESPN didn't do that for every employee that they're hiring that's visible to the public. But um, deleting tweets just doesn't count anymore. Nope. Nope, you can never take it back. If I disagree with you, you can never take it back and never apologize. And that is a dangerous, dangerous threshold for everyone. It's awful. Well, I think that ESPN also set another dangerous president, precedent Excuse me, that just says, it wasn't me. Like, what if I would just like, oh, I, let, I was sitting in the sports book and it was one of my buddies that must have tweeted that. It wasn't me. You know what I mean? Like, we, yeah. we have had several ESPN employees claim that their phones were hacked. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have a two-way authentication on my phone if somebody yep. tries to log into my Twitter. And I think that, you know, and, and there was multiple people that were like, you should have just lied and said you were hacked. And I'm like, that's just so insane to me. Yeah, I know. And there, you know, becomes a, a whole level there of who's allowed to get away with what based on maybe their political opinions or maybe somebody else that's closer with somebody else within the company. And maybe it was easy to let me go and to make an example out of me. I, I'm not really sure. Well, I have my opinions that I, I won't particularly share right now. I'll share maybe off with you. But um, if you if you roll with the punches and we all get punched, um, life works out. I mean, it does. And if you you don't uh, let it pile up on you and you keep going forward, life works out. And I think Barstool is a brilliant um, position for you because they know what it's like to be controversial. They will stand by you, and um, you can be you. Because honestly, at ESPN, you weren't going to be able to be you, and that is outspoken and, and fearless and willing to make people mad. And um, they don't always stand up for people that do that if they're saying things that they don't agree with. Did that make sense? Yeah, and I think that you're absolutely right. Is you know, And I kind of knew that. I had a lot of people that messaged me that knew that I was going to be going to ESPN and they're like, all right, you got to put on your super businesswoman hat and, you know, keep it a hundred percent PC and professional. And you, you know, you got to be really cautious and, and all those things. And I said, okay, I'm ready to do that. And I thought I was, but then mm -hmm. just being able to be at Barstool in my first post, I dropped an F bomb was hilarious because as much as my parents probably aren't exactly proud of that, uh, you have to think it's, kind of quintessentially me that's i talk a lot of trash i have a lot of fun and you're right i'm in a world where half the people are going to love me because i said that the ravens are going to win the super bowl and the other half the people are going to tell me i'm an idiot so that's the unfortunate part about sports is it can be very polarizing at times well i love the people that um in your industry that get on you because you know maybe you had a bad weekend you know, I mean, like you're supposed to be a right 100 percent of the time, which is absolutely impossible. And they, they just set thresholds that I, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought I was right, but I was wrong on that game. And you lost money. I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to tell you. People are weird, man. They're just weird. You know, and I think the, it goes back to the accountability factor, right? 
it's easier to blame somebody else why you lost than blame yourself. Oh, I knew she she didn't know what she was talking about. I can't believe I you know followed her on this bet. She's an idiot. Da da da. And then they have to sound off on social media, right? right? Versus just saying, you know what? Like I agreed with her. I took this bet, and it's and it lost. And that's just the bottom line. I'm responsible for my own submission of my bets like it's not you know i used to always joke with people i'm like you act like you come to the sports book and i hold your hand at the window and i tell you exactly what to bet like i'm telling you what i'm betting and you're welcome to join me you're welcome to fade me either way please just watch everything that i post right right i i don't get it at all i would never just subscribe to someone's opinions and and say okay this is what i'm gonna bet right now i would use it as part in context with my own opinions and go from there but as you know yeah, i'm not a sports gambler but i think that that's the most important thing is you know here i am let's say i write up a game right and i tell you look lamar jackson's 30 and 7 as a starter during the regular season right that doesn't mean that lamar jackson is going to keep that trend up i'm just giving you a stat to back up why right. i think you know plus three and a half versus the chiefs in kansas city might be worth a play those type of scenarios like, look, okay, this, here's his record as this Harbaugh as a road favorite has been excellent throughout the course of his career. These are, you know, statistics to back up what I'm saying that you can use for yourself, or you can say, you know what, I think that trend comes to an end. And I think that that's where in the world that I'm in, it is so hard, Tim, to win long-term. It is so incredibly hard. I had a really great NFL season last year and not such a good college one. And I have a feeling they're going to probably flip flop this year because that's just how regression to the mean works. But I, I do think that people kind of have to realize that, you know, they see on social media where guys are claiming they're winning 70 or 80% of the time. It just, it's, it's just impossible. not true. It's impossible. There's too many variables in a sporting event to win, win much above what? 55, 56. I mean, that's, that's about, that's I would be ass. very, if I hit if I hit fifty eight percent again this NFL season like I did last year, I, I'm almost afraid it would be too good to be true. Yeah. So I mean, I have high expectations for myself, but I have to understand that. And this is what I try to preach to other people: you have to use bankroll management, just like the stock market. You're not going to go dump all of your money in your checking account on one stock. It's just for the long haul. This is for the entire season, and it's you got to have the ability to ride the highs and lows. Otherwise, you shouldn't be betting. Right, right, and uh, that's why I don't do it. I don't. I can't. I'm, I suck at it. I play blackjack, and you know, I, I pay attention to the rules. You know, the the betting guidelines that blackjack has to improve my chances. But you can't predict the cards, just like you can't predict a game. You, you know, you just sometimes the ball bounces a direction that it shouldn't have bounced, and it changes the outcome of a game. You just never know. Absolutely. You get the bad beat at the end, where some kid throws in a three-point shot from half court that played thirty oh. seconds in the game. Yes. Then I usually seen this. The thing is, I have to remind myself. I should start in my spreadsheets reminding myself of the times on how I got lucky to mm -hmm. win a game, right? Because I always write how I lost a game. Okay, they got blown out. That was just, a, I was dead wrong on the numbers. Or there was a late pick six or whatever it was. But, you know, you got to remind yourself that sometimes you do get lucky where the guy just dribbles it out at the end when you have the under or misses that, you know, bomb three from, you know, downtown. And you got lucky where you're holding your breath for the last, like, 1.9 seconds of the game. Those are the type of scenarios that they're going to go either way, even though it feels like they're always against you. Right. 
Right. And understand odds. I mean, you know, if you are playing roulette and you're betting on black and it's run black 10 times in a row, you know what the chances are of it being black this time? It's still roughly 50-50. There's a green yep. in there, but it's roughly 50 It doesn't change with each spin. It's still 50-50. I think people – it's funny. I think that people don't realize the actual randomness of certain casino games, and that is one of them. Each individual spin – is its own. I'm not sure even why they feel the need to put it on the board. Maybe it attracts people over to place a late bet, but it is funny because I, I think that's one of the most common misconceptions. And that's like where I finally started to grasp statistics at Kansas State when we started talking about the roulette wheel. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I, like I said, I play blackjack. I sat down at a table at, oh, uh, well, where's it? Four Queens one day downtown and the dealer ran off six straight 15s or 16s, and I lost every one of them. Oh. And each time I was like, well, he can't do it again. Did it again. And he felt so bad. I mean, he's like. Of course he did. I, I want they you to win. Actually, they don't actually really want to win. There's no purpose for them truly to win. They're getting paid the same. They want you to win so they can make some extra right. tips. Right, right. It was, it was incredible. But that's the way it goes. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast so what all are you doing for barstool outline the kind of things you'll be doing this fall for them so that's a really great question and as i mentioned earlier the, the best thing about barstool is they really leave it up to the talent to do whatever it is that they want 
And so I'm going to do what's always worked for me. And I'm going to give out my opinions on some of the games and I'm going to try to help people lose less money. So as I mentioned, I, uh, just started doing a rough preview of all 32 NFL teams. It's going to start tomorrow with the lovely Washington football team. Cause that's one of my favorite season win bets. I do like them over. And I think that they win the NFC East plus two sixty over at the barstool sports book, Tim. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I've done in the past with other employers, but not quite in this capacity, but I'm just going to do, you know, a minute, minute and a half of each team. There's a couple of really tough ones there. Because of quarterback issues, injuries, you know, I keep hearing word out of uh, San Francisco that maybe it's going to be Trey Lance. So that kind of makes things a little bit more difficult to handicap. But just talking week one and where I think you should be betting certain teams. And then once we get into actual football season, just like I did over Bleach Report, I'm going to give out an NFL best bet every single week. Those tend to do fairly well. Last couple of seasons were really well. So I'm going to keep those going. And then... I'm going to do my little three-teamer for college football like I did back in the day. I'm trying to find a new name for it, and I have not decided on it, but three football underdogs against the spread, my three favorite ones that I think have a shot to win outright. So parlay those on the money line, uh, like a $100 flyer. You, most average, they're paying four plus 4,000, plus 5,000. So if we can hit one or two of those this season, that'll be really great. And then what I'm trying to convince somebody to let me do is get paid to go to some of these games. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be going to a Cubs game here in a couple of weeks, actually versus the Royals. So if anybody's there, let me know. Nice. And uh, there is a Barcelona Sportsbook in East Chicago. So we're going to go cruise over there, put in some bets, go to Wrigleyville, have some fun, and, you know, walk around and talk to people and see if I can't kind of come up with like a funny man on the street type niche and then probably do some sportsbook appearances for some of the big events. I'm super excited about the Arizona bowl and that will be what, let's see, New Year's Eve, I believe, or is it New Year's day? I got to double check that, but hoping that I get to be a big, big part of that. And then still trying to figure out uh, if maybe Megan and I will be doing some sort of podcast or if she and I want to do some sort of collaboration as the two female sports bettors in the office. And then every week I'm going to be on with, uh, the pick central guys. And they, I did their podcast when I was in New York and they're hilariously talented, but, um, I, I definitely felt really smart my very first day there. Well, uh, congratulations. I think it's brilliant because not only is Barstool a good fit for you in terms of uh, personality, but they have moved hard into that gambling space and sports betting. And with all the uh, sports betting that's moving around the country, I expect it in Kansas uh, eventually. And uh, I know people around the Speedway, the casino up there, they're all making plans to have sports betting. In fact, um, I think Hard Rock's building a really big hotel out on that side of Kansas City with the intention of eventually sports betting coming in. So it it could be pretty big, and and it's going to be perfect for you. That is absolutely great to hear. You know, I think eventually we'll see almost every state – with the exception of a few on board. I know that uh, Barstool is going to launch Colorado on Monday, Virginia on Tuesday. So these kind of moves that just keep happening, we're going to see more and more states on board. I know Florida's coming on board. 
California, you know, they get they have a lot of red tape out there, but it sounds like they're going to be launching here sooner than later. New York is going to get mobile betting. I mean, it's just getting bigger and bigger. So to kind of, you know, be on the forefront of all of this has been pretty incredible. Well, if California goes, that'll impact Vegas. That's the one state I think will impact Vegas. And, I mean, the rest of the nation can go to it, and people around the country will still go to Vegas because it's Vegas, but California might cut down on those people driving in just to do a little gambling. Yeah, that's definitely a, a thought process that I've had. So it's been it's been nice that they've been really dragging their feet, at least for the Las Vegas economy, to get a chance to bounce back here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is Kelly in Vegas going to remain Kelly in Vegas? I mean, Barstool's in Boston. Um, Vegas is evolving. Barstool's- Right, so Barstool, Barstool's in New York, actually. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, so they, they, I think they opened a New York office about three years ago. And, you know, with everything going on there, I'm not sure how often I'm going to be there, but I'm going to be all over the place. So saw my house here in Vegas, bought a house in Florida, and that's where I'm headed tomorrow for the next couple of weeks. And we'll see. I, I don't really, with the way everything is remote and the way that I'm able to kind of pick up and, and go the places I need to be. It's nice to not have to have actual roots, um, you know, permanent roots anyway, yeah. somewhere. And so very excited to, uh, to try out some different areas, but yeah, Florida's on my, Florida's on my to-do list for at least the first couple of weeks of football season and, uh, enjoy some time on the beach, hang out with my parents, maybe do a little fishing. I didn't know you bought something in Florida. Yeah, I I've tried to keep it really under the radar. It's not so under the radar now. Oh, that's in January. okay. Nobody nobody listens <laughs> to this thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's cool. In uh, in the town in which we've spoken about prior. Yes. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm overdue to get down there. Uh, I, I well, Tim, we're I'm pushing really hard for UCF Boise State that Thursday night. I know you have to be um, in. Dallas for the K-State Sanford game, but I'm not sure if I'm going to get there or not the next night. No, I wouldn't. I, I mean, oh, that's going to be that. That's going to be a great game. Maybe that's a future Big Twelve game. You never know. Yeah, that's what I want to talk about. What's going on? What inside information do you have for this K-State fan? I keep hearing all sorts of different theories and rumors, and hopefully, you know, we don't end up in the AAC. Yeah, I think it'll go the other way. I think AAC will end up in the Big 12 because the Big 12 has what everyone needs and wants, and that's uh, Power 5 status, and they'll keep that even though Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. People can try to poo-poo it. I I don't think you can take it away from them unless the league collapses, kind of like the Big East did. Um, I I think eventually they'll invite in some more schools, and the money will never be the same, but it'll probably be fairly comparable to what the Pac-12 realizes. So... I think uh, they're going to be fine. And once they invite in some other teams and the TV ratings start showing up and they find out that it it didn't drop off the end of the world, people still watch good football. This is my thing about, that's about sports is when you're showing a game nationwide, if it's a good game and it's East Carolina versus, let me just pull out someone, uh, Utah State. Let's just pull those two. Those are the two teams. And for some reason, it's on ABC. It wouldn't be. But if, it, if it's a good game, people are going to watch it. If it's entertaining, people are going to watch it. Yeah, you're going to watch your alma mater. But when you're just 
floating around the TV channels. You stop on good games that are entertaining, and if they can put together an entertaining brand of football, people will watch. That's. I agree, and I thought that was something the Big 12 has really done well with. Um, I know we got a lot of flack for not playing defense, but high-scoring, exciting games, lots of offense, lots of big plays, and that was something that I think the SEC kind of took from us because, you remember, they always – bragged so much about those great defenses and now we're seeing sec games in the, the high 40s 50s yep. and now even 60s but that's because good offense you see ah, that's, that's yeah. how it works it's good offense for them and bad defense for everyone else <clears throat> that's that's the magic formula <laughs> i can't i can't wait for texas to finish in the bottom three i i just can't even imagine what they're thinking their egos are so misplaced and inflated as a University and they are everything they say about TV viewership and follows followers. It's all true. <clears throat> I mean, there are so many Texas websites like mine. It's unbelievable. Independent ones, ones on networks, just recruiting ones, and they're all making more money than I am. I mean, the amount of money people invest in sports at Texas is absolutely incredible. But um, you still got to go win games, and they they act like. They just win by being there, and that's not how it works at all. And plus, they're not going to get their way every time in the SEC. They've spent the last 25 years of their lives getting literally everything they wanted out of their conference in which they played, and now that's going to come to an end. It's just crazy to me. I'm here for it, honestly, at this point in time. You know, I, I was so grossed out by everybody being like Nebraska was right, A and M was right, Missouri was right. I was like, they they were kind of right. Uh, they were, but it's also like if I uh, told my neighbor someday his house is going to burn down and I go burn it down, uh, do I get to say <laughs> I told you so? <laughs> what kind of analogy? You cracked me up. But yes, yes, uh, yes. I understand exactly where you're going. And the ones that really shouldn't be talking are A and M Missouri because now they got to live with them. That's that's the karma of this. Getting back to karma, it is so funny. They tried to blow up the Big 12 to get away from Texas and to punish Texas, and now they're going to have to share a conference with Texas for the end of a eternity in terms of college sports. I just think that's karma. That's beautiful. And Nebraska's losing, so um, it, it all works <laughs> Nebraska, out. Nebraska wins two Big Ten games a year. Yeah, it all works out for me. You know, I, my personal preference would be just to let me invite in schools that I would like. Um, yes. I think that's a great idea. I would love to have UCF in. Right. Or Boise State. Right. Uh, Orlando, Boise, wonderful destinations. Look, Cincinnati belongs in, but I've been Ooh. to Cincinnati. It's okay. It's okay. But but then again, if I get to invite in, Tulane's going to be in. Yes. I mean, I, we're going to form the vacation conference for me. And we'll have UNLV and all of these destination places so that I'm happy. Because people, Kelly, people aren't paying enough attention to what I want. And I think that's I, Listen, clear. I'm all for that. Destination places. I mean, I was going to say South Florida, but they're going to be lucky to win four games this year. So maybe we need to keep KU on the bottom. That's that's the right. main key. I'm I'm all for South Florida on a ser seriously I, I mean it gives you uh, two schools in the Florida Central North Florida markets that are rivals um, gives you a really nice rivalry game uh, out of uh, out of your teams you're inviting in it gives you a second foothold in recruiting in there and I know South Florida's down and they don't really 
Um, they haven't had the success, but they, they did until they decided to fire the guy that started their football program, Jim Levitt. And uh, I think they can, if they join the Big 12, I think they'll flourish because of it. Um, so I'm, I would agree with that. The only problem is, what do we do with poor West Virginia? Well, you give them Cincinnati. It's so funny that then a, a West Virginia fan popped up. You know, I did my. My schools I would like to see in, um, and if West Virginia's still in the conference, you've got to expand east. You got to solve this, and Cincinnati's the the, okay. the closest one, and, and they're a great football program. It's a good university. So, but some West Virginia fans are like we don't want Cincinnati. They're in our recruiting area. I'm like, look, you got to look bigger than that. You can't sit there and complain that you're so disconnected from the rest of the conference, and then every time we try to connect you, you go, we don't want Louisville. We don't want I was just going to say, I think, I think Louisville would be, would be really fun as well, or well, that's, even Houston. That's Houston where the conference be- went wrong, is when this happened the first time, they lost four schools and added two, and they should have added Louisville and Cincinnati. And I'm not sure we're in nearly the situation we are even if Texas and Oklahoma are still leaving, you're still at 10 at that point, and you don't look nearly as weak as 8. And I've been saying that for a long time. Yeah, they needed to get back to 12, but Texas didn't want it. Texas absolutely did not want further expansion for a couple reasons. One, they might lose some votes. They, they had control of the conference at 10 because Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Tech all seemed to vote with them. But... Um, you know, they they also would have watered down the money, and Texas wanted every penny because you know poor Texas can barely pay the bills. <laughs> That's crazy. This whole thing's just crazy to me. The um, I, I'm glad you're not on Team ESPN because I think they are on the verge of attempting to destroy college athletics as we know it, and all for their own financial gain. And screw them for that. I'm really angry about what's going on. Yeah, once I kind of heard that they were potentially in on it, and I jumped in Kirk Herbstreit's mentions and said, isn't this your employer's fault? <laughs> and everybody's like, yeah, but you can't blame that on him. I'm like, well, I mean, he's over here saying how terrible it is, but there you are working for these people. He'll be doing the uh, games. Yeah. Yeah, because it, I don't think they're done. I really don't think they're done. I think they're aiming for a super conference, and I I uh, think the only answer here is, well, first of all, I'm not against a super conference. I'm against it being by invitation only. Uh, I, I think you're just open to yourself up to lawsuits, similar to what happened with soccer in Europe. You are begging for trouble if you are handpicking the programs to be winners and everyone else gets to be losers. You're going to be litigated probably into failure. But if they do get 30 teams, 32 teams, and say, hey, we're going to do our own thing in football – it's essential for the rest of the NCAA to vote them out of the NCAA and say, okay, you don't want football part of this and you don't want to be inclusive with your football, then you're not inclusive in our baseball and basketball and every other sport, and you will see them back down in a nanosecond because the SEC doesn't want to lose access to the big stage for baseball and basketball. Absolutely not. Very good point. Got to be tough. You gotta, that's the thing that bothers me about the Big 12. You got to be tough, Kelly. I'm, why don't you be commissioner? Yeah, right. That, that would be that would be quite uh, the day to see me. You know what? I, listen, I think it's tough to be a Big 12 commissioner. You're right because basically his whole job is to kiss the asses of the big money program, right? right? And that's what he did. And now everybody else is suffering. And I do think that that's where 
you've got to play the game better and have a little bit less bias. And I'm trying to think of who our commissioner was when I was a kid. Not a kid kid, but like kid enough, like in the 2000s. Because I felt like he did a really good job. Steve Hancock, I believe, was the first one. Is that right? Maybe not. Maybe I'm getting my people confused. But then Dan Beebe was a disaster. Well, we knew Dan Beebe was a disaster. That was never up for debate. Oh, my gosh. And that's been my favorite thing. The the Dan Beebe account showed back up and started tweeting. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) this is the best thing ever. There you go. I, I used to follow that guy. I, I just must have unfollowed him because he never said anything after uh, we got a new commissioner. Well, for one day, Bob Bowlesby was a badass and a tough guy, and now he's back to being a diplomat and getting run over. So, you know, it was a, it was a fun day when he stood up to ESPN, but that, that day's gone. It's It's very frustrating. Uh, well, let's just hope that you're right and we either – stay together and we work out a deal with maybe the Pac-12 and can get, you know, some exciting games out here on the West Coast or maybe my Florida fruition comes true and then I can go to two K-State games without leaving the state. Yeah, it'd be awesome. It, it would be really incredible if um, got into a couple Florida markets, Cincinnati, and and then either Memphis or Houston. I think they'll have to take Houston because of Texas politics. But, God, do we really need another Texas school? Is there something in the bylaws that say we've got to maintain four Texas schools? I'm, I, I don't want it. I'm, I've had enough of Texas. Yeah, I feel like I've been in Texas enough times that I'm good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, it'll be uh, – It'll be intriguing, and and I love the topic. I mean, I just find it fascinating. Um, but the realization is, the Big Twelve will never be the same. You, you just you can't lose the number of marquee programs they have, and and still have the same overall visibility and kind of the um, assumption of worth. I mean, they're not people aren't really looking at any stats or anything related to TV ratings and attendance and how. T- schools move the needle they're just like well kansas state nobody cares about that but then you dig down and you find out that well kansas state is third in all-time winning percentage of existing big 12 members and will be number one once these two schools leave and last year outside of the games with involving texas and oklahoma k-state had a lot of the highest rated tv games in the network and they sucked the last half of the year and people still were watching yep I mean, that's that's what blows my mind. It's not like it was Iowa State. It's easy to be an Iowa State fan right now. You got a head coach that everyone likes. You got a fun football team. They wear those sexy black jerseys. They're going to UNLV this year and I think taking about 40,000 fans. I mean, they're living what we lived at Kansas State in the late 90s and early 2000s. And it's fun. It's a lot of fun. But it's easy then. When you're going four and six and losing your last five and you're still watching football games, that says a lot about your fan base. It really does. So then I have to ask the question because I keep telling everybody I think K-State's going to win five games this year. Season win total here in Vegas, five and a half. Oh, I've got over all day long. All day long. All right. Who are they going to beat? This is this is the this is what I got to know. Well, I think they're going to run the table in the non-con, and I think that Stanford game before all this realignment stuff popped up. I think the Stanford game is one of the most important K-State games in a long time for the program. I would agree with that. Because I've said this over and over, and what was it, 2017 when K-State went to Nashville, and we we hung out a little Uh, bit there in Nashville. Uh, It felt like a bowl atmosphere. It was a a large contingent of fans went down to watch the Vanderbilt game, 
and then they just played awful and didn't do anything and lost to a bad team. And I kind of feel I like that was the end. You know I, I, mean? I agree with that. That was the last game that I went to. Right. Um, and the time before that, I went to the game in Palo Alto. The time before that, I went to the – oh, actually, I take that back. I went to the UCLA Bowl game. So that was the last time that K-State won a game that I was at. And, you know, you get tired of losing, right? Right. But, you know, K-State's a one-and-a-half-point underdog in that game. The only thing I don't like, it's a 9 a.m. West Coast kick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We always seem to get screwed with those times. But, yes, I would agree with you. That to me, the Stanford game is what I would call a coin flip. I think Stanford probably should be – the game should probably be closer to a pick but because they're Stanford and we're K-State, they're a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Obviously, Southern Illinois. Obviously, Nevada. The – other couple of games that I think that are feasible for us to win at home, the Farmageddon game. I agree. TC, TCU, West Virginia, obviously at KU. And so Tech. The, yeah. the Baylor game to me is is very interesting because I haven't decided how I feel this Baylor football team is going to be this year. I, and, I don't know how you judge them based, based on a first-year coach during a pandemic. I don't. I couldn't. I really don't. I mean, I have a, I have a, like, if you looked at my note sheets, I have a ton of question marks on this Baylor team because you're right. You don't have a way to fully judge and to see and what, what, uh, you know, a home field advantage looks like. Luckily for us as in K state fans, we get to play Baylor in Manhattan this year, but there's about seven games that I think are winnable games for Kansas state. Obviously at Texas tech is another one that, that could be iffy. I would love to go into Austin the day after my birthday and beat Texas. I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, good news for us, Oklahoma plays in Manhattan this year. So could be, could be a really interesting um, season win total over there. I, I have five W's down and about four coin flips. So we'll see how it plays out for us. Well, again, I, I think that Stanford game is so important for not only wins and losses and momentum within the context of the season, because you do open big 12 season with maybe the three best teams in the conference in Texas, Oklahoma state and Oklahoma, or excuse me, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma and Iowa state. Um, and then uh, you, if you're not three and zero coming out of the non-conference season, you're putting yourself in a bad position. But I also think now with what's going on with realignment, if people turn on that game because it is an 11 a.m. game, it's the first in the first time slot of the first Saturday of college football, and people turn that on and see 40,000 K-State fans in Arlington, that sends a pretty pretty impressive message to the rest of college football about the fan base and about K-State football. And if you win the game, then the fans are really fired up and engaged. And I just think it's really an important game. I'm with you. I'll see if I can't swing getting to uh, Arlington. I know a lot of people have been posting about it are pretty excited thus far, at least K-State last year was a down year. There was a lot of issues on and off the field, as we both know, and I'm hoping K-State's worked through some of those woes and Skylar Thompson coming back as a senior and to be able to see a couple of those other guys on offense really accelerate what and work upon what they've shown us over the last year or so. Yep, I'm I'm fired up to return to covering the team home and away. 
I haven't I haven't traveled with him for three years now, and I'm fired up to do that. But um, luckily, we got the mask mandate for indoor spaces in Manhattan, Kansas, or on excuse me on the campus, uh, just in time for football. So I'll be wearing a mask in the press box. I'm not I'm not excited about it. I I understand masks. I get what people are trying to do, but I hate them. I hate them with every fiber in my being. I'm going to keep my mouth shut because we definitely had a comment or two back and forth on social media over a year ago. And I, we're on the same page now and that makes me very happy. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know, man. I just, uh, I'm, I'm exhausted by all of this, but you, you kind of, again, bringing this full circle as we wind up, Kelly, you got to just roll the punches. You don't, you don't get to control everything in your life. You get to control how you react to everything in your life. And that's what you got to do. Bingo. My dear, I, I wish you the best of luck with Barstool. Uh, if if they have an opening for an aging blowhard, uh, I'm a guy that should probably be get considered uh, because I like to I like to cuss on my podcast and I really can't do it in my current environment too often. <laughs> This is actually very true. You have to behave yourself to some extent um, on your professional podcast, but you can always just call me, drop some F-bombs if you need to get a few out. Nice. Kelly, take care. I know you got a lot of stuff to do, and I appreciate you taking time. And you were guest number one on The Life of Fitz, and you are now guest number 50, so that's kind of cool. I love to hear it. All right, and I hope to see you here soon. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. So type A personalities are like really dynamic, you know, sometimes overwhelming, sometimes too in your face, but they're driven, they're focused, they know what they want, they have opinions, all of that. Kelly's not type A. I joke Kelly is type AAA. Like the battery, she's tiny, but really puts a charge into wherever she goes. She's incredible. And she doesn't take crap off of people. And that wasn't a good trait if you're going to work for ESPN. But as I said at the start, everything works out the way it should. And Kelly being at Barstool really makes a lot of sense. Because Dave Portnoy, the founder of Barstool Sports, is the same type of personality. He lets it fly. He gets himself into trouble by some of the things he says and tweets. But he doesn't back down. And he does know when to apologize when he's done something wrong. It's a really good fit for Kelly. I'm proud to call her a friend and someone that Becky and I have included in our family for a very long time. I don't know how much longer Kelly in Vegas will actually be in Vegas. I don't know if Kelly in Florida has the same ring to it, but wherever she is in this world now that allows you to work remotely from almost anywhere, Kelly will be someone you want on your media team because sports gambling is going nationwide with casinos and gambling windows popping up in almost every state in the union in the near future. And Kelly will be part of it for the Barstool Sports Gambling Wing, which is a very big part of their company. Well, that's it for season two. It's time to focus on Kansas State sports as we head into what could be a very important sports season for Kansas State. And if you are a K-Stater, please consider signing up for GoPowerCat.com and going along on the ride with myself and my incredible staff that works to cover K-State sports for the fans. And of course, men, I'm not going to be able to say this for a while. Go get your PSA scored. 
please, if you're over 45, know your PSA score. It might help you prevent serious prostate cancer. Take care, everyone. I will talk to you real soon.